Quite often we hear the question asked, what is life? What is the meaning of it all? What's the purpose? What are we here for? There's an easy answer, which is almost a cliche, spiritual growth. We're here to grow and grow and grow. But what does that mean? Does it mean going to church? Praying in concert and communion? Learning the Bible? Piety? These are all very important parts of developing ourselves spiritually, but basically, we're thinking creatures. We don't really complete the job of spiritualizing ourselves until we begin to refine our attitudes. It's so easy to take on one attitude, which is a sort of a worshipful, prayerful attitude, when we're in church or in doing religious things. It's another thing to consider the attitudes that we hold, for instance, in our office or our shop while doing our work. Yet the workplace is probably one of the best places to begin to stimulate spiritual growth. It's the last place that most folks think about. We say often that life is consciousness. This means <clears throat> all your thoughts, your feelings, your attitudes, things that make up your state of mind at any particular time. Nothing ever just happens. You say, I was going along very good until this thing happened. Out of the blue, I was back on my back, facing difficulties. Nothing ever just happened. We say, often things were going real good. They're really going great. And then all of a sudden, something unexpected happened. And something unexpected always happens at that time. We understand consciousness. We know that the unexpected something is a trap that we've previously set for ourselves. It's our consciousness. It's our life. We're involved in everything that happens. Nothing is unrelated to consciousness. Vincent runs work. One may share his thoughts and feelings with co-workers before work in the morning or around the water cooler during the daytime or at the lunch hour. We talk about the thing, the place we work for, the employers, the co-workers. It's just the way things are around here, we say. This company, my employer, is interested in one thing, the bottom line. They couldn't care less about me or the workers. These are attitudes. We hear them, we perhaps participate in them sometimes, unthinkingly, realizing that they're a part of the general consciousness that's going to have effect upon our whole life, especially our prosperity. When we speak attitudes like this, we're working against ourselves. Why go to work at all if you're going to work against yourself? Why try to make progress or to succeed if you're going to work toward difficulties, limitations? A man was once talking with a friend, and the friend told him he was moving. I want to help you move. I don't need any help. We have some marvelous moving people take you, but I want to help. What's a friend for if you can't help? On the day of the move, the moving van showed up, and the men in white coats were running in and out of the house, carrying things. This man came along, and feeling the responsibility and the joy of friendship, he 
took off his coat, rolled up his sleeves, and went to work carrying boxes in and out. Finally, the friend showed up and said, you really don't have to help, you know. But I want to, I want to. What's the friend for? Finally, the friend put it up against the wall and said, you've got to stop helping us. Please stop. We'll never get moved in. The man said, moved in? I thought you were moving out. Little do we know it, we're always in that situation when we're working against ourselves. It's strange how many folks have a positive goal in mind and yet work in a negative way toward it. I think it's something that terrible always happen and always does with me. Rumors about layoffs, well, I'll probably be the first to go, I always am. Things always happen to me. Today we're going to talk about coping with job-related disappointment. How to cope. The dictionary defines cope as to contend with on fairly even terms or with a degree of success. A good true student keeps the word cope as a very important attitude in his consciousness. Learning to deal with situations, with challenges, with a degree of success. So often we get so involved in things that we're doing and goals that we're working toward. We act as all the, for all the world as if everything begins and ends with this job, or getting that promotion, or catching that bus. Keeping us under a constant state of pressure, fighting time, resisting change, dealing with people who are working under a different set of priorities. Persons with goals are a rarity. Do you have a goal for yourself? Do you have a goal in your work? Something that you're working toward? I'm not saying that we should follow the suggestion that's often made to sit down every day and set a series of goals for yourself and work toward them constantly. That can be carried a little too far. But it's important to look at ourselves and say, what, what do I want out of life? What's, what, what's life all about as far as I'm concerned? People with goals are a rarity. It said that nine out of ten people have no plan for their life. They drift aimlessly along. Go to work, do the work it's called on to do. They may do it as best they can. And go home at night and watch television and just sort of react to things that happen. I think of the story of Alice in Wonderland. Alice asked the Manhattan for directions. He said, where do you want to go? She said, I don't know. He said, then any direction will do. <laughs> Great logic in the wit of Lewis Carroll. One of the most important prerequisites for life, the well-adjusted life, is to own your own life, own your own consciousness. Take charge of your mind. Realize that you participated in everything that happens to you. And if you know that and work with it, you can participate in the solution to those problems. If we don't realize that we've participated in the happening, we're inclined to say, well, they did it, it's because of that, it's because they economic times, infl inflation, recession, because of what goes on at the office, co-workers are not cooperative. If you own your own life, you realize it happened because of something in my consciousness. Then what did I do? You were there. Sometimes that's all that happens. Great chaos around you. What did I do about it? 
You know that you're involved in it because you were there, physically, emotionally, mentally. So you were a part of it. Don't ever blame it others. Discouraging things happen often. Don't hide your head in the sand. The experience is there. The incident is external. But the reaction to it is your own. The incident is out here. It's people, it's conditions, it's the way things are. But my reaction to it is my involvement in it. We always have a reaction. But often we have a reaction that we justify, a negative reaction. It's not my fault, it's them. How can I help it when things are like as they are? Problems on the outside can be handled, but when it gets under your skin, it becomes your problem. Your hurt, your despair, your anger is not caused by people or by the policies of the company you work for, but by your negative reactions to them. You can't do much about what the boss says or does. You can't do much about your co-workers. You can't do much about the financial conditions that influence what goes on in your place of business. But your negative reactions are yours and you can control them. You can. One of the most important steps in truth is to realize that I can control my reactions. I don't have to be angry. I don't have to be upset. I don't have to be fearful. I don't have to be apprehensive about the things they say are going on in the economy. I can keep my own perfect peace, set my own goals. Franz Kafka, the Austrian poet philosopher, says, people wake up one morning to find that they've turned into bugs. He was wrong. People wake up, go to work, discover that something is bugging them. <laughs> the most important thing is to meet it, to, to deal with it, to accept it as something that's going on in your consciousness. The word disappointment is an interesting word. To me, it seems to suggest an appointment with the divine flow that has been missed. A missed appointment. This is taking a little etymological liberty with the word, but that's my forte, taking etymological liberty of words. <laughs> it doesn't mean that it ought to. The most important thing in life is to know that you are constantly dealing with life in terms of a divine appointment. Things happen. You see, in the positive sense, it's happened for good. It's a divine appointment, a divine possibility unfolding. When you have a disappointment, it could be said, it's a missed appointment. You've missed the divine process. You've got out of the flow. Let's be honest, everybody has setbacks. A job that doesn't work, didn't work out. A trusted associate that let you down. A disappointment with yourself for not reaching goals that you've set for yourself. It's a broad subject, this matter of disappointments, but we're going to confine our discussion to these three areas. Job, which may include your boss, your company, the corporation, the policies. Your loved ones, including your friends or associates on the job. Disappointments with yourself. Normally we start out on a job with great excitement, great expectations. We feel that in this job I have the opportunity to advance, to prosper, to achieve the good life. We all entertain those hopes. If we don't, we're not really alive. You see injustices in your office, in your workplace. You see favoritisms up against the impact of office politics, arbitrary layoffs. All this tends to create in you, if you're not careful with your attitudes, a sense of disappointment. 
Disappointment in your job, your company, your co-workers. This leaves you with insecurity, a distrust of the corporation, anxiety that someone will get credit for your achievements, and the worry that someone or something can conspire to keep your good from you, such as this thing they talk about, inflation and recession. Many folks feel that the recession will keep up on them and have an influence on their life in a negative sense. Many even talk about the fact it's probably inevitable that some of us will be laid off. So we should hold our money. We shouldn't spend very much. Put our money in a mattress. Sit tight and see what happens. We won't have to wait long because recession will happen. We've caused it by our attitudes. It's probably true that the major cause of recession in our country, if there is such a thing, is the thoughts of people. The recession could be solved overnight. Everybody would say, this is not a time for inaction, it's a time for action. It's a time for saving, it's a time for spending. Stimulating the economy, all the part in it. Between now and Monday morning and Monday night after the sales of the day, if we all got involved in this attitude of giving, serving, expressing, buying, experiencing, activity, dynamic thoughts, by Tuesday morning you'd hear in the paper that the economy had changed. And you make the difference. The healthy-minded person needs to discover that his work is his appointment. It's your calling. That's an old-fashioned idea, your calling. It's a very important realization. Too many of us think of our work as a place to earn money, a place to get on a payroll somewhere. So we lose or we don't cultivate the dynamic idea of service, involvement, commitment, giving, serving. If you think of your work as a divine appointment, and probably the creative flow. You realize that the divine activity is seeking to do a special work through you. The great thought of Browning. God cannot create Antonio Stradivari's violins without Antonio. God cannot create the things that are there for you to do without you to do them. That's why you're there. That's why the job is there. That's why the company is there. That's why the economic conditions are there. For you to be a part of it, to stimulate. So think of your work as a divine appointment, and keep the appointment of working with a positive attitude. It's something for you to do. If this is a divine appointment, the appointment is to be kept. If you don't keep the appointment, when you get out of the flow, it would be a missed appointment or disappointment. It's almost inevitable. One woman who is a student of truth tells a sad story of herself. She's laid off of her job with the company after 25 years. It's a sad story, not because of her loss of a job. The loss of a job doesn't have to be sad. As a matter of fact, I would say of marriage, if it can break up, it should break up. That may be a starting thought to you, but the point is, if there's the thing involved in the marriage that has you on the brink of dissolution and breakup, if you can get that far, and the problem is that in your consciousness, in the consciousness of those involved, the makings for a dissolution. It should break up. If you can lose your job with a company, if you can be laid off, you should be laid off. That doesn't mean that you're the blame to it. Your conscience is involved, sure, but I'm, I'm saying that if you think of life as a constant process of drawing to yourself your good through divine appointments, if there comes an experience where there's 
even entertaining the thoughts of laying off persons which include you. The divine appointment has faded away. There's only a missed appointment, even a disappointment. It's important then that it should happen. So the divine appointment process, the divine activity can work to bring you to your right place. If you really understood yourself and understood what's happened, you probably would say, I don't want to be in a place where I'm not wanted. I don't want to be in a place where they can entertain the thought of laying me off. I want to be in a place where I can be active, where I can be participate in the prosperity of the company and experience prosperity myself. That may be a startling thought for some of you. It's important to see. Anyway, this woman was very bitter because she lost her job after 25 years in the company. She began to proclaim to everybody who had listened to her, this company tossed me out, relegating me to seven years of living hell. That was her indictment against the company. It created a living hell. Seven years referred to the time she nursed her wrath to keep it warm, as one poet says. <laughs> but the employer was not responsible for the living hell. That was caused by her own reaction. She may go through the rest of her life resisting, resenting, hating this company, even the thought of its name, because of what they did to me. I talked to a man some years ago. Well, he was still entertaining the feelings of the depression when he had been cast out of a marvelous job with all the perks and beautiful home and lovely cars. And he was tossed out. In one condition or another, without, for a few months, he was actually destitute. His family grew up during the depression years, and they were uh, sort of carrying on the tradition of, of the, anxiety, the anger and the hostility toward this company and toward all big companies. This man never recovered. And he passed on that attitude, that resistance, that resentment, that insecurity to the next generation, and probably the next. It probably went on generation after generation with this negative attitude. This woman, fortunately, came to herself. She had known about truth, and she realized that the living hell was caused by her own reaction. She opened herself to the possibility of a new vista. So she realized, as we said, that if they could dismiss her and didn't appreciate her, there's no divine appointment. As the Bible says, except the Lord buildeth the house, they labor in vain that build it. So she saw that that change needed to be made, which opened up a, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good perspective. She moved on joyously to the divine appointment that came in a new field, a new position. She looks back with gratitude on what's happened. All things work together for good to them that keep themselves in the flow. Many persons are facing unemployment today due to the economy. It's sad. But the sad part is the negative reactions of the people who face the experience. Often confusion and bitterness, fear, self-pity and insecurity. The trouble is, I want to be understanding about this because this is not an easy thing to face. The trouble is, we tend to think of the experience as a permanent condition. Unemployment is a terrible word. Unemployment. I'm now among the army of the unemployed. Put a sign on your chest. I'm, I'm unemployed. That's what I am. That's what you'll always be as long as you hold that attitude. I have a statement that comes from the Bible that I love. 
It has come to pass. Usually the implication is it happened, it's come to pass. It's a dynamic idea. It has come to pass, to pass on, not to stay. We think of negative experiences as something that's come to stay. A bad relationship, a difficult job, being fired from the job, having financial challenges that are seemingly above your ability. This whole condition has come to pass. Get that into your conscience, it's come to pass, not to stay. So unemployment is a moving experience between jobs. A moving experience between jobs. So all that remains when one is let go of a job, all that remains is the movement leads to the next job. Consciousness has got everything to do with it. Let the idea of the static condition enter into your consciousness, and you'll have a deuce of a time in the period. You'll have the living hell, and you'll be looking for people to blame. But if you understand that it's a movement between jobs, it's not so fearsome a thought at all, is it? It's important for every person involved in the study of mind and the realizing the importance of attitudes to stand against the juggernaut of hopelessness and futility that's sweeping the country. You read the headlines, any paper today, somewhere on the first page, there'll be something relative to the terrible economy. And all the prognosticators are saying, telling us the things that are going to happen. People are going to be laid off. Their businesses are going to have a bad Christmas this year. People are not spending their money. Hard times everywhere. All the things that they usually talk about. Should be a law against this. People know what's going to happen, and let's listen to them. But if they don't know what's going to happen, if they're just conjecturing, as all the economists are, don't listen to them. Your attitude is as good as theirs. I don't have a positive attitude. But at least get the realization that there will be no recession in my life. If you want it, fine, but don't, don't talk to me about it. There will be no recession in my life. I'm in the flow. And that applause indicates that you're ready for this concept. <laughs> so we're to work on it. You'd be enough of seed possibilities within the attitudes of folk here this morning that you could change the city by tomorrow morning. <laughs> Another source of disappointment on the job is people. People are the greatest difficulty for most of us. But the job normally means working with someone, co-workers, fellow employees. Almost always we're co-dependent, dependent on one another, dependent on the attitudes of another, and dependent on the graciousness of another, the love of another, the generosity of another, and influenced somewhat sadly by the negatives of another. We naively, naively assume that we're all one team. All working together for one goal. This is a great ideal to hold, and certainly we want to hold it as a spiritual awareness, but in a practical sense. Important that we recognize that people are human. You may be looking for the next promotion in the office, 
Probably a dozen other people are too. These tends to create a kind of competitiveness between workers. How many, uh, I forget the name, but uh, this one writer talks about, Father, forgive me for expecting in the human. That would be found only in the divine. It's Melody Shanklin. Father, forgive me for expecting in the human. That would be found only in the divine. Forgive me for expecting people to be perfect. Have only loving thoughts to be as interested in my good as they are in their own. It's a nice idea. People are human. In a sense, it's important to collaborate with people, to be cooperative with them, to work with them. One should never put one's whole trust in people, only in God. One can delegate authority, but you can't delegate responsibility, it's said. You still have the strings of responsibility on yourself. If you remember the Namaskar approach, Eastern concept, which means the divinity within me salutes the divinity within you. It should always be the guide and the direction for us in our relationship with people. We look beyond the human and see the divine. We bless that in the person. We don't let that be a means of getting out from under responsibility. Sometimes we tend to think, if I love a person, I praise the good in him, he'll look after my responsibility, so I turn it all over to him. And I'm hurt if he lets me down. I forget that he's got his own interests to look into, too. Your divine appointment is with God, not with people. Your divine appointment, keep in tune with the divine flow. Keep divine love and the creative activity expressing through you in what you do. Don't let go of that. One man worked beside another in an office. They were co-workers, they were friends. They'd worked both with the company for many years. They had a friendly competition to see who could achieve the most, and both of them had become the best workers in that office. It was always assumed that if there was an opening, at least one of them would advance. They heard the rumors that the boss was going to be transferred to some another department. They were all thinking about who was going to be selected as the next boss. Obviously, this created a pressure on the friendship between these two. They had a competitive spirit going with them, and obviously, this meant that one of them, not both of them, were going to be promoted. There was a great tension that went on for a couple of weeks while the rumors flew. Finally, the rumor also came to this man that his friend had misrepresented something to the boss. As a result, the man received the promotion. And the man was disappointed. Disappointed with the friend, furious with the company, who would allow this thing. But he also was one who was quite aware of the importance of his own attitudes. He knew that he could destroy himself by negation if he wanted to. He could choose to deal with the experience creatively. So he had to tussle with himself, as you can imagine. He realized that he had to forgive this friend, this co-worker. He found it hard at first, but he finally decided it was a practical thing to do. Because if he carried unforgiveness, the fox says it's like a chain that you attach to your wrist, you become a slave. So he forgave the man. He realized that it was a competitive thing, and who knows 
Then with him being over-competitive, I was not even aware of the immorality of the thing that he did. The man said to himself, perhaps, never for the grace of God go I. So he got, came, got, made peace with this. He let it go. A couple of weeks later, the big boss called him in his office, told him that he appreciated the work he'd been doing for the company. Another opening in another department they were going to put him in charge of. It was the space between two jobs, two activities, which was worked out harmoniously by his positive thoughts. Source of disappointment on the job is also the disappointment with yourself. For having failed to reach your goals, goals that you set for yourself. Quite often we tend to think of ourselves as a failure, basically because you come up against situations that we haven't accomplished as much as we thought we'd like to, haven't gone as far as we think we should, have a sense of disappointment with ourselves. It's important to realize that not everything you do is going to succeed. Give yourself the opportunity to fail. That sounds negative, doesn't it? Give yourself the freedom to admit that you haven't gone as far as you'd like to go. If you've gone as far as you need to go at that time, do your best and leave the rest. Accept the best. Accept the fact that you've accomplished in some things. Give yourself an occasional pat on the back. Give yourself an occasional blessing. Be grateful that you've done as much as you can do. Many are discouraged in the failure to succeed or progress. Out of this sense of disappointment with themselves, there's a tendency to often to give up. And all I can do here. The system is so entrenched, there's no way that I can better myself. There's an attitude of, what's the use? I need the job. I've got to stay here. They don't have to have my love and enthusiasm. They have my hands. I've gone into offices and shops where there's a sense that employees are physically present, completing the tasks that are required of them, but you have a sense that nobody is really there at all. Nobody's really there. People give me only a small part of themselves, have their work on automatic pilot. Most of their energies are in reserve. We don't like to face up to that, but a realistic look at the marketplace indicates this is often the case. The survey released recently, a confidential survey of workers, we promised that their part in this would not be released to anyone. They discovered that one in four worked up to their capacity. Half of the workers said they did not put forth any effort in their jobs beyond a minimum required. Why should I? I do all I'm paid for. I do all that I'm asked to do. Do you ask enough of yourself? A man was watching an elephant tied to a pole with a tiny piece of rope, and the circus was getting ready for performances. And I thought it was an amazing thing that this great elephant could be corralled by a tiny little piece of rope that the elephant could snap in an instant if it raised his foot against it. I talked to the trainer about this. The trainer said, we start out, we have a huge rope which we held the elephant down. Because of the conditioning process that goes on in mind, 
Pavlovian concept. Elephant gradually began to realize that the rope, no matter how big or small, was there to his, his entrapment, his thing that held him. Eventually he came to the fact that he could, he could have held him with a piece of string. He looked down and see it there, and it, he knew no way he could go, so he just stands still. If you see elephants in the circus today, you'll recognize that most of the time they're restrained by means that could not possibly restrain them if they used their force. We're like that. We sometimes attempt an innovation in our job, in our office, in our workplace. It seems that the innovation that we suggested is either a threat to other workers, resisted by the inertia of the establishment. Like the grown elephant, you may say, I can't do that. It never worked before, so it never will. You give up without trying. The elephant is trapped by a belief, a relic of earlier experience that is no longer true. People tend to limit themselves by holding to old beliefs rather than testing themselves and changing them. They're chained in a self-imposed prison of limitation. It's going to be true of many workers. Make sure it's not true of you. Keep alive the constant feeling of enthusiasm for your work. Keep in a constant state of self-competition. Not competition with others. Not to be superior to others, but to be superior to your former self. Progress is a part of growth. Someone once said to me, not knowing what the slip of the tongue had implied, every talk you give is a little better than the next one. <laughs> I have to think about that. <laughs> Never sit down to a day's work without challenging yourself to find ways to do it better. When was the last time you did that? Sometimes we make a commitment at the first of the year to get a new attitude about a job. Probably have to give us a raise in salary. Never sit down on any day to work without challenging yourself to find new ways to do it better. And with enthusiasm and conviction. And I said, how can I have enthusiasm about this job? It's the same old thing. How can I have a conviction about it when I'm not even sure that it's doing the right thing? Does it mean anything? It means something to you to pick up a paycheck, doesn't it? You're there by a divine appointment as long as you keep the appointment. Otherwise, you'll be disappointed and allow yourself to work in a state of gloom. If you have no conviction about your job, you better find something that you can have great conviction about. Your life will be in turmoil. You'll be working against yourself. Never become discouraged by setbacks or obstacles or difficulties. The truth, many persons have accepted the belief that you never have a defeat. True students are hung up on this. True student shouldn't have a defeat. So if he has a defeat, he feels guilty. He hides it. He's afraid to tell anybody about it. Even Jesus had defeats. But he was never defeated. Have the ability to cope. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have a failure. Edison had hundreds of failures before he developed the electric light bulb. No one in life can go very long without making some mistakes, or having some, something fall down, something fail. The important thing is to cope, is to be undefeatable. You're not defeated by a situation. Get the feeling of divine appointment that will always have you in your right place with all experiences and use it to your happiness and fulfillment. Perhaps in consciousness you've been disappointed, you missed your appointment. But you can take charge of your life 
Take control of your thoughts and feelings about your employers, about the people who seem to let you down, about yourself as a person. Your work is what you're meant to do. It's your divine appointment. Heed the realization that there's no recession in your life. No matter what the world says, you're in the flow of prosperity. I'd like you to have a little visualization exercise with me. Close your eyes for a moment. Sit comfortably in your seat, feet flat on the floor. Take a few deep breaths. Use your imagination. Get the image in your consciousness. You're in a private screening room, alone. Look around, you get the feeling of the screening room, it's like a little theater. The projector is voice activated. The voice booms out. The film you're about to see is about you. You may set the action anywhere, today, yesterday, a week ago. You're to think of a specific instance when you felt hurt or disappointed on your job. Instance when you felt hurt or disappointed. Look back as far as you need to to pick up one that you can center in on. And roll the film. Watch yourself in action. See how this situation unfolds. You have a stress meter with a needle that goes up and registers feelings of hurt or disappointment. Sitting at your desk or your bench, into the workplace walks the boss. Comes toward you, but he turns and stops at the desk next to you, the other person. There's an assignment that you've been hoping for. He gives it to the co-worker. See the experiences that happened. Look at it. Get the feeling of the boss, the opportunity in his hands, giving it to another person. Be honest as you sense and see your reactions. How are you feeling? Be frank and honest with yourself. You feel hurt, upset, disturbed? Accept it as being an honest appraisal of where you are. When you've seen enough of this, rewind the film. Here in the exercise, we're going to do it again. This time with a different ending. The situation is the same, the characters haven't changed, the work and responsibilities are the same. But you're different. You're in control, in charge of yourself. Just as conscientious and committed, there's no hurt, no disappointment. You have the ability to cope. So the boss comes up again, walks to the desk next to yours and hands the person the assignment. How do you react? No hurt, no disappointment. The stress meter registers feelings of calm and quiet confidence. You say to yourself, this is how it could have been. The lights come on in the screening room. You whisper to yourself, this is what I am. This is the way I will be. I'm poised and centered in an infinite mind. Nothing can disturb the creative flow in me that supports me as I perform my job. Nothing. I can cope.
Hij gaat kopen. Hij gaat kopen. The feeling of gratitude for this image emblazoned upon my consciousness, myself dealing with a most difficult experience in love and unresistance, in attitude of coping. Let's just get a sense of gratitude. Feel good about it. Good about yourself. Good about your work. Good about life. Good about the realization that. It's a divine appointment for you. As long as you keep in the flow, there shall be no missed appointment, no disappointment. Resolve now to take this impact of this vision, this image, with you as you go. With you as you go to your work tomorrow, the next day and the next. Remembering no matter what happens, you can cope. You should know the truth, and the truth should make you free. So be it. Let's take just a moment now to turn the process around. We've been receiving for an hour. We want to give. Give our consciousness, give our peace, give our love to all the world. We're taking the idea of the circle of light. We're surrounded with this great circle. We're part of it. Our light is part of the continuity of stars. The light goes forth from here to all the world. The consciousness we've experienced, the love, the coping process. Let's just see it going out to people everywhere. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let's rise and sing it together.